Hello, and welcome to this episode of Sunflower Sutras. I'm your host, Tara. Today's poem is Garada Tim by Josiah Gilbert Holland. Heaven is not gained in a single bound, but we build the ladder by which we rise from the lowly earth to the vaulted skies, and we mount to its summit round by round. I count this thing to be grandly true, that a noble deed is a step toward God, lifting the soul from the common sod to a purer air and a broader view. We rise by things that are neath our feet, by what we have mastered of good and gain, by the pride deposed and the passion slain, and the vanquished ills that we hourly meet. We hope, we aspire, we resolve, we trust, when the morning calls us to life and light, but our hearts grow weary and ere the night, our lives are trailing the sordid dust. We hope, we resolve, we aspire, we pray, and we think that we mount the air on wings, beyond the recall of sensual things, we meet while our feet still cling to the heavy clay. Wings for the angels, but feet for men, we may borrow the wings to find the way, we may hope and resolve and aspire and pray, but our feet must rise or we fall again. Only in dreams is a ladder thrown from the weary earth to the sapphire walls, but the dream departs and the vision falls and the sleeper wakes on his pillow of stone. Heaven is not reached at a single bound, but we build the ladder by which we rise from the lowly earth to the vaulted skies, and we mount to its summit round by round. Before we get into things today, because it's a special treat for me, I'll get into that just a little bit. The poems that I've been reading for our introductions these past few episodes, and most likely for the many episodes to follow, are from this adorable book that I bought for a dollar from a used bookseller here in my town. It's super cute. The pages are actually yellow. It smells like an attic. I love it. And now to get to the meat of this episode. Today, I have a guest. My guest is actually my wedded partner, my husband, Brennan. And he is going to talk with me today about some of the digital tools that he has used to help in his writing career and all such fancy fluff. Brennan? Career or lack thereof, I suppose you could say. Oh. Um, (laughs) My name's Brennan, and I've been invited to talk about a website that I've used for a couple of years now called Poets and Writers. It's a fairly easy-to-find website. It's just www.pw.org. That's it. Pretty easy to remember. And yet I always forget that it's not poetsandwriters.com. That's it. (laughs) It's a common error, but there's a lot of free resources available, and this is one that I've been using. Uh, I'm looking at the mobile version right now, but the actual, the main website is fairly similar in design. At the top, the one area I want to talk about is publisher writing, and in there, the first four items you will see are writing contests, literary magazines, small presses, and literary agents. These, I think, are the core things that everybody uh, is looking for in terms of 
uh, getting some publications out there and seen. Now, under writing contests, uh, it's really easy to get overwhelmed and drawn to some of the big dollar contests. Uh, there's a lot of filters available on here. I just kind of want to go over a few of them. Perhaps the main draw is going to be the entry fee. A lot of us probably don't have a lot of money to throw at contest entry fees, so one of them is no entry fee. And if you set that filter and you click reset, uh, you'll get all of the uh, $0 entry fees. However, I do want to point out some of them do have some fairly large payouts. Uh, my best recommendation is to read everything that you can on the snippet and the links to the websites that they provide, such as this one right here for the New York Public Library, uh, the Coleman Center Fellowship. It has a $0 entry fee, but the cash prize is $75,000. Now that all sounds great and wonderful. I can think of a lot of things to do with $75,000, but let's take a moment to uh, read what they're going on about, what some of the requirements are, who qualifies, and who this applies to. So this is straight from the website. Up to 15 fellowships are given annually to poets, fiction writers, and creative nonfiction writers whose work will benefit directly from access to the research collections at the New York Public Library. The fellows will each receive $75,000, an office at the Coleman Center for Scholars and Writers at the New York Public Library's main branch in Midtown Manhattan, and full access to library's collections from September 2020 through May 2021. Now that all sounds great, but as we continue, we start to find all the little caveats. Writers currently enrolled in a graduate degree granting program are ineligible. Using only the online submission system, submit a writing sample of up to 4,500 words, a project proposal up to 1,500 words, a curriculum vitae, and contact information for three references by September 27th. There is no entry fee and you must follow the complete guidelines. Now, maybe some of us have a curriculum vitae and maybe some of us don't. For those of us who don't, a curriculum vitae is essentially an overview of your life's work. So this is something that spans over several years of an already established career. So that's something you have to have on hand in addition to those references. And typically references are something like, you know, colleagues or connections you've made over time, perhaps uh, past professors who have offered to be a reference uh, for such things. But like I said earlier, it's a $0 entry fee for $75,000. But this is something that's very specific to someone who already has a life work established. And this is just to get a fellowship to build upon that even further and gain more connections and use those funds to create uh, more work and flesh out the curriculum vitae even further. That's what I like about the site is that it takes in calls for submissions from such a wide myriad of places. It's not just the high rolling things like that. It can also be just a very indie publication that does a once a year type magazine or places that are very niche like women only or mm -hmm. LGBTQ only. And sometimes it's even simple things like uh, there's this one I found through the website where they take haikus and tonkas. They'll give you a dollar for every haiku. Yeah. And that's another <laughs> thing to keep an eye on. You want to make sure you're submitting work that's appropriate to the journal, uh, not something that you're trying to sneak in and impress them with. Uh, case in point, I myself had submitted some work uh, to a journal, not entirely realizing what the journal was about, and I submitted a sort of fantasy horror piece, a short story, and 
while I did technically get runner-up because I did get a free one-year subscription to the magazine, it was not appropriate for the magazine because after reading the issues that were sent to me, I was way, way off course. This was just general slice-of-life fiction, and I sent them a fantasy horror. So obviously, it's going to be rejected on the grounds that it doesn't match the themes of the magazine. Yes. But I was surprised that even I even got runner-up. So somebody somewhere enjoyed it enough to send me a subscription and say, here, dumbass, this is what we're looking for. <laughs> oh, don't be so hard on yourself. But yes, that's um, that's how you can tell when I'm on that particular website is because mm-hmm. I'll have like 90 tabs open because you click on one of the links, it opens it to a new tab immediately, mm-hmm. and then that's just a one paragraph synopsis of what they're looking for if it's a contest or just Mm -hmm. a general submission and then you know that's never enough for me because i need to know every single nitty-gritty detail mostly for like how are you going to reject me why are you going to reject me (laughs) so i go to the actual website of the place and then it has it always has immediate links to the submission tab on every single Mm -hmm. website for all of these publishers Correct. Uh, Every listing for contests and the journals that poets and writers uh, has on their website has links to the main website. And that's another thing I would like to cover as well. If we move on from contests and just go to literary magazines, Uh, this is a big one right here because most literary magazines uh, have their own cycle. They will sometimes publish monthly. Some of them will publish every other month, sometimes twice a year sometimes like you said earlier once a year so when you're scrolling through the literary magazines they they default to alphabetical order so you're going to start off with a couple of weird ones like two river review and three elements literary review you know just uh standard stuff like that three elements is super cool i think they do seasonal and they literally it's in the title they Mm -hmm. choose three themes every issue that they make and Mm -hmm. it's kind of a wide variety of themes like it's not just related things like red roses and love it's like Mm -hmm. three really out there like last time i really wanted to submit but i just had nothing that fit either of them and one of the things was jazz and i was just like oh if i could just find a piece (laughs) yeah so let's just go ahead and talk about three elements i have their information pulled up right here and there's already a lot of info on poets and writers about everything they do so I'm just going to start from the top and work my way down. They typically publish poetry, fiction, and creative nonfiction, subgenres of flash fiction and post poetry, things like that. They do have on there, the reading period is all year, uh, but their reporting time is three to six months, so you're going to be in for a bit of a wait. So if you're patient and you're willing to wait that long, sure, go for it. But you also want to be somewhat cautious about things like this. I'm, I'm sure Three Elements has their own way of doing things, but sometimes... Poets and writers won't always have the most up-to-date information. So it's always a good idea to go to the website that's linked on the page for Poets and Writers and check and see when the last issue was published. Yeah. I myself found one that sounded like a really cool journal I wanted to submit to as a sci-fi fantasy one, but the last issue they published was in 2016. So it's safe to say that they're not publishing uh, any new work at this time. So you definitely need to do a little bit of legwork on your end if you want to find something that suits your needs as a writer. Yeah. And if you have any free time in your day, it's also just kind of cool. Even for the ones that, I guess, it would be wrong to say they're dead links, but they link to publishers Mm -hmm. who are no longer publishing, like you were saying. 
But sometimes you discover really, like I said earlier, niche, cool things. There was one I found. I really would love to pull something out, but I need to pull something that could really impress them. Angry Old Man's magazine or zine, Mm -hmm. it was. I would love to submit something to him because he sounds like a really cool guy and his stuff sounds really funny. But like, I don't think it publishes that often, but mm-hmm. still, ev- even if you find things that aren't going to necessarily immediately benefit you as a producer, as a consumer, you can still find ones that might have back issues of things that mm-hmm. you can buy. And that's honestly the way that I've discovered the most non kansan journals has been through poets and writers. Yeah, no, certainly. And uh, moving on from that into like the, the small presses mentioned earlier that's basically the same as literary magazines uh, except one thing you want to keep in mind with small presses they are small presses they're not you know the big magazines they're very very small very niche very sometimes just local things such as the susu zine and with small presses they tend because of that they tend to get overwhelmed uh, with submissions because they typically don't have a reading fee uh, and some of them some of the smaller ones do have a fairly quick turnaround time, but even then, when they're getting submissions from all over the country, it can be very hard on that small press to accept everything that's sent to them. Sometimes small presses are just expected to publish everything that's sent to them, and that's, I think, a negative expectation to have of small presses. Like, just Yeah, you, you mentioned the Susu mm-hmm. zine, and f- most of our listeners probably aren't aware. Mm-hmm. That's the zine that me and Ryan make. <laughs> We've not mentioned it before on the show. We'll joke that we basically have a non-rejection policy, but we've had one submission to the show that we did not accept. So, I mean, even as super indie and not getting any money out of it as Mm -hmm. the stuff me and Ryan do, we still have, at least to this point in time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) rejected one person. And that's another thing to to keep in mind about small presses. Uh, They don't make as much money as some of the bigger literary magazines. So literary magazines have a staff of people who can filter through and look for the things that are thematic to what they're, you know, hosting that month or or publishing for their semi-annual. But a small press of two people just doesn't have the time or energy for something like that. On top of the getting clobbering Mm -hmm. thing, um, and this is speaking more from experience, not just as a small publisher, but also as a person who has submitted work before in the past. Edit your material with a fine-tooth comb, because if you expect the person, even if it's a bigger editor and publisher, that they're going to be the ones to make sure that all the punctuation is right. This is the fun thing about working in poetry. See, Brennan is primarily a writer writer. <laughs> he likes his sci-fi writing and fiction, whereas I am primarily poetry. And poetry is funny in that people can submit you poems that have absolutely zero punctuation and that's intentional. And then they can send you mixed punctuation and that's intentional. So if you legitimately screw up and then you send it, people are going to take it for its own merit and not mm-hmm. question it. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's why it's so hard to find a a journal that will accept experimental writing, because a lot of times... Angry old man, they express very adamantly that they mm-hmm. are experimental primarily. Yeah, and, you know, that, that's the thing, is like with experimental writing, not necessarily just the, the content of it, it's the, how it's, 
uh, presented, you know, like you said, with punctuation and formatting and, and whatnot. And you could like have an entire page that's one sentence and it can be grammatically correct, but maybe a standard journal that publishes like slice of life fiction is going to see that and think you're out of your mind if somebody's going to sit that long to read one sentence. That's the probably the part that gives me the most anxiety is just reading everyone's criteria for their submissions. Like there's this one place that I'm submitting to right now mm -hmm. and oh goodness, they and Brendan was has been helping me promote myself the way they want because this publisher is very particular in how you are to promote yourself in your bio and all this other information. And I've never been demanded so much so in my life by a, an off chance that they a person might publish me. <laughs> There's a risk in that because a lot of like even the big journals and the small presses will have a long read time before they get back to you. And you know, it's just common courtesy to just wait for them to get back to you. You don't want to hound them as like, hey, did I get in or not? You know, you want to give them time. And a lot of them will say, you know, give us about three to six weeks and we'll get back to you. And that will get back to you typically means if you're accepted, you'll get an email or a letter or something. If you're not accepted, you most likely will not hear anything and you'll just have to move on from that. It's really unfortunate because if they did send emails and letters for every single rejection that they do, they would be just, that's another backlog in and of itself that requires staff and time. And most journals and small presses just don't have that staff and time to tell every single person who writes every single thing that they've been rejected. Because then when you're rejected, you want to know why, you know, you want to follow up. And again, that's just time and resources that these journals don't have. So, well, if you're going to submit something to a journal or a small press or a contest, familiarize yourself with the turnaround times and how they're going to get a hold of you. And if getting a hold of you means they're going to tell you if you're rejected. I can't speak on behalf of a lot of the contests because for the most part, I just don't really look at the contests because mm -hmm. they are very demanding, whether mm -hmm. it's a big turnout or mm -hmm. not there's still like a lot of qualifications and most of the time they want manuscripts or they mm -hmm. they want something lengthy for their time obviously so most of my time is spent in looking at small press poetry mm -hmm. and that's what i like is that every single one even if the website itself is little more than a three sentence about and then a submit here <laughs> make sure it's typed in english or something like that even if it's bare bones like that, the Poets and Writers website will have as much information as they can grab to put into the synopsis. So it'll be like, this is a queer lit. This is a dark fantasy. This is mm -hmm. a general poetry. This is academic poetry. They have a response time of six to eight weeks. They publish mm -hmm. in the fall. Da, 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 da. All of the information that is the immediate draw you in, look into it, stuff they have there. And that's what I really like too, is that I spend less time wasting my time because of that. There was one, it was a contest, ironically enough, and it broke my heart. My favorite beer company of all things was doing a poetry contest, Dogfish Head Ale, which if you drink alcohol, I highly recommend you go get yourself some because it's really good craft beer. Uh, enough of that. We're not getting sponsored by them anytime soon. 
um, <laughs> back to the point, they had this really nice low-key contest. It wasn't like it offered a lot of money. I think it was just like 250, but it was like a chat book thing. It was, it was this really cute, cool little contest they had, but I think they were only doing it in states that had like their factories or something because Kansas was not listed as one of the states that they would take submissions from and my little heart broke. Still buy their beer but couldn't submit to the favorite beer company my poetry. Well you might not have been able to submit to your favorite contest because you lived in Kansas but that doesn't necessarily mean you can't have an agent in another state working for you. Oh that's another fun feature of the website they have all this information about agents. Yes the literary agent database uh, is filled with presumably the most up-to-date list of agents uh, available to writers. And there are tons of filters that you can go through to find the agent that's right for you. And there's a couple dozen in here, ranging from autobiography and memoir to experimental. You got feminist and flash fiction. Erotica is on there. Love, if you're into that. <laughs> uh, nature environmental. It's a pretty substantial list of genres. You said the you said the Pee Wee's Playhouse fun word of the day. You said genres. That's another thing. Even in poetry, it's got so many filters. I've not seen this many filters since like shopping like through Hot Topic online because <laughs> they have so many filters of I want something that pays. I want something that has no entry fee. But then even for the poetry section, they have a genre thing. I always just click all because not all of my stuff fits into one genre. And sometimes the genre is poetry, which I always thought was hilarious, but it even goes as far as genres of poetry, which there's so many feminist lits and, like I said earlier, queer lit places. There's a lot to offer. Yeah, I know. And the same can be said about the agent's list because you can filter it out and find the agent that's right for you. Uh, but even then, if you'll filter to like just general fiction, you're going to get dozens of matches. Well, you want to go through there and, you know, see who it is that they're listing, uh, what agency they're working for, and who they may have published in the past that might be relevant to the work that you're doing. You also want to check and see if they're taking either solicited or unsolicited submissions. Basically, what that means is that's how your email is going to be formatted. Because if an agent is taking solicited submissions, which very rarely they will, that means you can just right out the bat, attach your story to your email, say, hey, I'm me, I came across your information on poetsandwriters.org, I'm interested in seeking representation through your agency, I have attached my story, which is this, and then explain it for a little bit, but not a lot, you know, I look forward to hearing from you, etc., etc., just general stuff. Now, unsolicited means you don't send your work in that first email. Basically, you will ask them, it's like, the same general format, is like, hey, I'm me. I came across your information on Poets and Writer. I'm looking for representation. I'm interested to see if you're publishing work at this time or seeking to publish work like this and just kind of segue into your own material, what it's about, who you are, and why you're interested in their agency representation. And they'll usually get back to you. They have their own turnaround times, obviously. Again, try not to uh, hound them and say, hey, I sent you an email last week. Why haven't I heard back from you? Patience is the writer game that we all have to play. 
and it's really easy to get impatient. So my, my best advice in all of this with the contests, the literary magazines, small presses, and agents is just to just be patient. You never know what good things may come, and those good things can go away if you're impatient. And obviously, you're speaking on behalf of trying to help people that are new to this or people mm-hmm. that maybe aren't new to it but are finding out more resources because it's not mm-hmm. like it's tabula rasa and you're just born knowing oh this is what i do to be a successful writer and be the next stephen king it's like right. that's obviously not a thing but it's not just like a greenhorn level mm-hmm. all of the material all of the resources all of mm-hmm. the different things provided on and by the website, which don't they have an actual physical magazine too? Yes, and you may have actually been to uh, Barnes Noble and seen their magazine rack, which they feature quite frequently. You can just go into the magazines and it's usually one of the first things you can see is the Poets and Writers magazine. Yeah, and the fun thing about that one is that I think they also do more in-depth talking with writers, which then you get the writers on writers kind of perspective, which is always, you know, fun. I mean, we're kind of doing that right now. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not just a thing for newbies to dip their toes to figure Mm -hmm. things out. It's not just a thing for people that have zero connections. This is a thing Mm -hmm. that can be utilized by kids in high school to mm-hmm. people who are entering retirement and are like trying to finish their first book, need to figure things out to people uh, like myself that have been published and have mm-hmm. been working for years. But it's always just, especially with poetry, mm-hmm. it's a never ending chase to just find, okay, where can I submit to now? Or mm-hmm. okay, what press should I look into to publish my manuscript? Which, oh my God, if you're struggling right now or at any point with manuscript publishing, the poetry section, the poetry tabs that the website provides I'd say about a third of all of the publishers that go on the website or the website seeks out, because I'm not sure if they like do the research themselves or if people contact them or both, but I'd say about a third of them are seeking, if not just solely manuscripts, manuscripts on top of regular submissions, which they specify all of that stuff. Yes, correct. So some of them do seek specifically new material from someone who's never been published, And they will also ask for, like, there'll be contests or submissions for people who are already published and want to review that published work to see if it's, you know, you can get like a grant or things like that, a fellowship even. There's a lot of also literary awards that you can, I guess, enroll in or nominate yourself for. I Mm -hmm. I don't know what the proper term would be there. I guess nominate yourself. Uh, So it's not just things of getting your foot in the door. It's not just Mm -hmm. things of continuing to have your work be in the public conscious. It's also things like like that, which if you are, you know, a seasoned veteran in the writing, the the writing field, then go to this website, try to find yourself a nice uh, award for your books. Uh, I mean, that's free promotion. And also you get most of the time they offer some kind of grant, like you said. Mm -hmm. I would recommend this website for high schoolers, middle schoolers, even I I used to tutor middle schoolers and uh, (laughs) those kids, it might just be because I was, you know, teaching in like uh, 2016, but those kids were already like making websites and learning code. I could definitely see any one of them getting into uh, trying to publish something of theirs. I, I've had many gifted kids, and I'm not just saying that because I loved them. <laughs> but no, like, this is a website I really want everyone to know. Middle schoolers, high schoolers, college-age mm-hmm. people, post-grads like us. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you're the actual post grad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very user friendly, and you should take my word for that because I am the step above tech illiterate. I'm tech irritable. That's what I am. <laughs> And it's basically become my Spotify playlist for places I'm going to submit to at some point in the future. Yeah, it's always a good idea to to pick up a few contests or journals that you want to submit to, not just one at a time. You can certainly do one at a time, but there's no guarantee that that one will pick up what you're doing. So it's a good idea to maybe submit different things to different contests and journals if you have the time to do that. I'm doing my first ever simultaneous submission in my life. So, right. Yeah. yeah that, that's another thing to consider is whether or not journals will take simultaneous submissions. Basically, what that means is you can submit the same item to multiple journals or contests, but if one of them accepts it, you have to let the others know hey, my thing was accepted in this other journal or contest. I'm retracting my submission. The unfortunate caveat is if those other entries had a fee, that fee is typically non-refundable. So that's something that you really need to consider with simultaneous submissions. But there's also the possibility that, let's say, you sent them five poems Mm -hmm. and one of them got accepted by someone else. Then you still have those other four. So there's still the possibility that one, two, or all of the other four, they were keen on publishing. So it's a bit of a Russian roulette, Mm -hmm. but keep your head up, know the etiquette, and be patient. That's just the number one thing, yeah? Yeah, no, definitely. And I can't really, I can't stress that enough is the patience because I have submitted plenty of items uh, using resources on poets and writers. And I've also received a number of rejections, usually by silence. And that's just an unfortunate side effect of the field that we're in. But it's a great resource. You know, if you got some time, sit down, give it a look, find a couple journals or contests that, that sound great. Uh, see if you have something that fits and and send it on to the ether and maybe it'll get picked up by somebody. Find those old poems a home. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show and talking about poets and writers with us. What was that uh, URL again? www.pw.org. And we are not sponsored by them. But again, you know, if you want to. <laughs> Thanks, sweetheart. You're welcome. And now for our listener submission. This episode's submission is brought to us by Linda M. Crate. Linda's poetry, short stories, articles, and reviews have been published in a myriad of magazines both online and in print. She has published five chapbooks, including A Mermaid Crashing Into Dawn, Less Than a Man, If Tomorrow Never Comes, My Wings Were Made to Fly, and Splintered with Terror. On top of these, she has also published a micro-chat book titled Heaven Instead. She's also the author of the novel Phoenix Tears. Beyond Repair The sky was pink as the soft flesh on your lips, and I found myself weeping and mourning for everything I took away from us. I know it's my fault that you're gone, yet I still miss you. Gave you needles when you needed soft hands, gave you fire when you needed water. My lack of empathy and understanding in the moment you needed it the most drove you away. But I still remember Edinburgh, Erie, Philadelphia, and Lancaster, as if each of these places touched me only yesterday. You were always the one taking me on adventures. Life can be long and restless without you here to quiet the chaos in my head. You were the only woman I ever loved, 
and I was the one that broke us beyond repair. A world without them, do I dream too big, or is the world too small to house these bones of mine? Oh, I don't know, but I do know that I cannot and will not ever stop, even if the world will never understand my flames. My love and my light will tame spring so she is not sad, and make summer into a heat that isn't oppressive. It will bring warmth to autumn and burn away the shadow fang of cold winter. I know it may be impossible, but even impossible says it can be done in two words, I'm possible. And so I will do every improbable thing. I will find a North Star that will guide me to all my dreams, because a world without them would hurt too much. I am the wind every sunlit pool illuminates, the creek jewels waiting for their chance to shine in someone's eyes. And I want to pluck the emeralds and the rubies, every smiling sapphire to place upon my crown. Because I have learned long ago, I am a queen and a goddess, even if people cannot appreciate my value and my worth. Sometimes I am the devouring dragon because they think me someone they can conquer. But my kingdom will not be felled, especially not by cowards. My heart is an act of defiance against a world without light or empathy, because I am a phoenix born, always rising from the ashes of death to burn brighter again. Every crow song becomes part of my scepter. Every rainbow becomes a jewel of truth. Every tree becomes my advisor, and I stand tall and fierce as the angriest hurricane wave, because I am the wind that shudders before no one. Thank you for those amazing and mythical words, Linda. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can support us by liking us on Facebook or donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sunflowersutras. We'd like to give a special thanks to our patrons, Poet Jen Harris, E. Campson, and Heather Aranda for helping us keep this show running. If you or someone you know has some poetry that they would like to submit to the show, feel free to submit to us either via our Facebook, or you can submit the pieces directly to me at tara.bartley at yahoo.com. So long, and farewell.